0: Welcome to The Big Chi Show, your destination for fantasy sports domination. Now, here's your host, Chris, The Big Chi, Cheon.
1: Welcome, everybody, to The Big Chi Show, a WTOP fantasy sports experience. I am your host, Chris, The Big Chi, Cheon. And without further ado, I am going to introduce you all to the showdown king the guy who is absolutely dominating on DraftKings and living the nice life after a great weekend. I had to get him on after he won over $100,000 on the showdown. Eagles-Cowboys slate, which who saw this crazy game going 37-10? to 10, My guy Colin did. Colin from DailyRoto.com. How you doing, bro? Good, man. Great great to be on here. Quite the intro. Uh,
0: it's been a fun <laughs> week, so excited to, to wrap it up with another really fun podcast talk a little bit about showdown, talk about DFS. Uh,
1: It's been been a great ride, though. Absolutely. So for those people who don't play the showdown slate as much listening on DraftKings, you have a captain spot that gets one and a half times the points, and then you fill it out with five other spots, and you can pick defenses, kickers, receivers, quarterbacks, you name it. Colin, I want to kind of start – with contest selection, however, when it comes to the showdown slate. For somebody who has not really played much or hasn't found a ton of success, I'll be honest, I'm probably down for the year on showdown slates because I just have found them to be difficult to play. Um, cash games, are you advocating for the newer player? Or Do you say, hey, th- play the guys you want with some research, obviously, but set a tournament lineup because being contrarian is the way that you can actually win some l- nice money.
0: Yeah, I I personally think that people should be playing tournaments more than they should be playing cash games if, you know, a, a lot of people are playing DFS, they're doing it for entertainment. Yeah, they want to make a couple bucks here or there or they want the shot to make some really big money if they happen to get lucky, but the entertainment within tournaments is where it's at. It's a lot more fun to to sweat than cash games than me. And so I do think that tournaments are the right place to go. It's also where the most casual money does play. So those games end up being a little bit softer versus the cash games, which are really these days more played in by the, the hardcore players. So I definitely think tournaments are the right way to go. Um, if I was just going to enter one lineup, I think you want to stay away from the the really big contest where you're playing against, you know, hundred and 200,000 people and maybe focus on like the single entry or three max type contest where you can still win five figures on a nightly basis. Um, but I, I guess that would be the the first place that I was going to start if I was only going to be putting in like one single lineup.
1: You're right about that though. With cash games, I noticed that in baseball and I noticed it with football too. A lot of like the 50 fifties on DraftKings, the smaller, um, sl- in terms of participation, like the 10 p- entries, the 20 entries, a lot of the same usernames you're seeing there. So, I kind of agree that if you are kind of newer, you want to differentiate from the field, not be playing against these guys who have a ton of experience, right?
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, two or three years ago, you would see a big difference in discrepancies between what it took to cash in a a cash game, 50, 50 or double up, and what it took to cash in these huge tournaments. And that started to converge a bit just because people have been getting better and better. And the people playing cash games are more hardcore players. And so I think you're starting to see, you know, sometimes that the, the score required to cash in a tournament is close to the same as what's required to cash in a double up. Obviously, the upside, if you know, you happen to win the tournament is much higher. So uh, I think that's definitely the the way things are headed. And that that's kind of always, you know, even when I was playing more casually, I always preferred to play the tournaments, I think it's more fun to think about, it's more fun to kind of watch and sweat. And so you get the entertainment value there. And then obviously if you happen to, to hit the right combo, then you have the upside.
1: So what was the right combo in that Giants, um, Giants, Cowboys, Eagles game? Um, did you kind of see that with the Eagles and all of their bravado were guaranteed to win and the Cowboys reeling, you saw it as an opportunity to jump on the Cowboys and say, I think that they have a chance to explode.
0: Yeah, all the lineups I build for Showdown, I use the optimizer that we have over at Daily Roto. And, you know, the Cowboys were favorites in that game based on the the betting market odds in Vegas. And, you know, that typically correlates pretty well with fantasy performances. Um, So I had 150 lineups in there. So it's not like there was a ton of individual thought that went into this one specific lineup. But the one thing I try to do across all my lineups is make sure that they tell a story about some specific type of game script. And so One of the things that set this particular lineup apart from the rest of the field was that it had Zeke Elliott at captain, and it also had the Dallas Cowboys defense on that team. And, you know, we've done a lot of work at Daily Roto about correlations between players and the RB1 on a team is correlated really strongly with the defense for that team. And so with Zeke as the captain, it was a good opportunity to also get the Cowboys D into some of those lineups kind of boost up their projection and i think you see that stuff you know even thinking about tonight's slate like that type of strategy carries over where you know everybody knows that the vikings should smash the redskins tonight everybody knows Dalvin cook's gonna be a really strong play but trying to have some of those lineups correlate where cook is your captain and you have the vikings D, I think is you know the right way to to think about your lineups just make sure they tell some type of story about how the game could unfold
1: Yeah, when I used to host with Eric Crane on the Fantasy Insider show, he would constantly harp on me about making sure that you don't care, especially, obviously, in tournaments, if you have money left over. Get over the fact that you may have $1,400 sitting there because you – a, you mentioned that people are just getting better at this, and you have to differentiate. You have to take some stands. So, like, you agree with that point, right? Just harping on the fact that it's it's not about getting to that like zero number. It's about getting the best optimal lineup. Yeah. So,
0: th- in this lineup specifically, I think I had like four or five wow. thousand dollars on the table. Um, there were there was a, a big train of lineups behind me that actually had. same lineup but they had nelson aguilar over the cowboys d aguilar was more expensive and i don't know if you were watching that game but wentz threw like a 30 40 yard deep ball for aguilar that he missed in the final drive kind of late in that fourth quarter if he catches that that's actually a six-figure swing i probably don't make any money on the night because there were you know 50 or 60 lineups that had aguilar there were only four or five of us who had the cowboys d in there because Like you said, the natural instinct, whether you're clicking through on the website or on your phone, you see the salary cap. You want to spend all that money to get the best player in there. But, you know, everybody else is doing that, too. And so leaving some money on the table, especially in these small fields, can be a really good way that at least when you do get lucky, you're only splitting the prize with four or five people opposed to like 50 or 100.
1: Speaking of Colin, Drew here. He is the product and marketing Guru at Sports Grid, and uh, he is a writer here at Daily Roto. Um, when a slate does it matter when you enter into contests? Are there better contests when the first when the slate first comes out, or is it okay to kind of wait for contest selection day of a couple hours of?
0: I think it's okay to wait day of a couple hours before as well. Um, sometimes you see the sites open up secondary contests, so maybe they have a big $10 contest, you're competing against 100, 200,000 people, but you know, an hour before they may think that contest is close to filling. And so they'll open up one with, you know, only 10,000 or 20,000 people that you're competing against still the same $10 buy in, Um, you obviously have much better chance of kind of navigating a field of 10,000 or 20,000 people than you do 200,000. And so you also get more casual players who are entering that contest kind of right before the game is starting trying to you know, get their their sweat on for Monday Night Football or Thursday Night Football or whatever it is. So I do think you can wait for contest selection. If you were playing cash games, I would probably recommend posting just as early as possible just to um, kind of give more time for the games to fill. But for tournaments, I definitely think that you can wait and that the secondary contests are sometimes a good target if you're really trying to grind to ROI.
1: Yeah, I've found that in baseball as well. If you wait sometimes until two hours before first pitch, as long as the contest is guaranteed, you can really uh, take advantage there. Um, let's talk. I'll Go I'll ahead. I was
0: just gonna say the last thing is if if you're you know you whether you're entering at ten hours before or two hours before, like you want to be checking that lineup thirty minutes before the game starts because news changes and it does impact the projections of players. Um, you know for that. Patriots slate the other day you had kind of the question marks at running back with Rex had a game time decision Dorsett game time decision yeah so all that stuff matters a lot um, tonight's slate with Adrian Peterson and the, the Redskins like he's a game time decision so um, a lot of people I think will enter their lineups they won't come back to check it but you definitely want to be updating things as close to the start of the game as you can to make sure you have all the best information baked in there.
1: Absolutely, that is a uh, something to live by, especially in NBA. Um, I know you do a ton of NHL and PGA as well. I've seen you with my guy Pat Mayo. Um, He, you guys both do a great job there. Um, Let's talk about the captain spot tonight, and really just in let's say in general when you're building. Do you have a general idea? of the position you want to have in that captain spot. You want to have a quarterback or even maybe you, as you mentioned, you want to have a defense or is it game and pricing dependent for you?
0: Yeah, it's definitely game and pricing dependent. I would say in general, I think the best players to play at the captain spot is like a blanket ruler, usually the running backs and the wide receivers. Um, but one of the things that we stress at daily Roto and that, you know, I think we were ahead of the curve on is, that the captain dictates so much about your lineup, you want to make sure the captain is telling a story. So if you're going to use Kirk Cousins at the captain spot, it means he has to have the biggest game out of any of the players. If he throws one touchdown to Stefan Diggs, Diggs is probably your captain, not Cousins. So what we like to do at Daily Roto is create rules within the the optimizer that we have that says, if, if you're using Cousins at captain, I want to stack him with at least two other Vikings pass catchers because he's going to have to throw multiple touchdowns. And then on the flip side with Diggs, if you're using him at captain, you know, he's going to have to have 100 yards and a touchdown. Cousins is probably going to have a good game in that scenario as well. He's at a minimum going to have one touchdown pass. So we like to make sure, you know, the, like I said, the lineups tell a story. If you're using Diggs at captain tonight, you got to put Cousins in that lineup.
1: Yeah, my first build that I've made tonight, I have Diggs and the captain along with Cousins and Olabisi Johnson, who I expect to probably be pretty popular tonight right with uh Thielen out
0: yeah I think he will he's a really good value and um you know that that lineup I think is a really strong start I think the the hard thing there is trying to figure out how to differentiate beyond that and then obviously you got to choose you got to choose at least one Redskins for that lineup as well and so you know that that's for sure a really strong correlation there I think that type of game script you're kind of you know you you think the Vikings are going to win maybe you bring it back with like a pass catcher from the Redskins side because unfortunately we do have to roster at least one Redskin tonight
1: yeah so I have McLaurin as my pass catcher with Dustin Hopkins and the Redskins defense there that has $900 remaining salary so kind of trying to play into I'm not using all of it but like right now this is a fade Dalvin Cook and um, I think that this is probably a better GPP lineup because of that fact. I'm taking a stand fading Dalvin cook, but like how bad of an idea is fading Dalvin cook tonight?
0: I, it, it's, for, it's interesting. Uh, I think there are paths for him not to end up on the winning lineup. Um, the, the biggest games that Madison has had this year, as far as his carries and his touches have been games that the Vikings are ahead in the the you know, by two, three touchdowns. And, that's certainly in play tonight so I think you know Cook's going to lead the team in carries but it could be closer to 50 50 or 55 45 than you know 80 20 this week and so it wouldn't shock me if you know if if Diggs scores early or he scores twice in the first half if you know Madison kind of gets some of that mop-up duty in the second half and you know maybe Diggs has a game where he just has 15 carries for you know 65 yards or whatever and you know, at, at that level, he's not going to be on the winning lineup. Um, I think the only bone to pick, I guess, with your lineup is uh, if if Diggs is the captain, you got the Redskins D in there as well. And I'm, I'm sure some of that is just like salary relief, yes. but it's it's kind of tough for the Redskins D to have a good game and Diggs to have a good game and Cousins to have a good game because most of the D points are scored by turnovers. And, and so you would need Cousins to throw a couple picks, but still somehow put up a good enough line to be on that roster.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. I would say that I uh, don't want to be relying too heavily probably on the Redskins, especially with that spread tonight being what it is. Um, so I'll have, to, uh, I'll have to explore that one. I appreciate that. Let's uh, talk a little bit about, too, um, Adrian Peterson. That's a guy that might be some salary leave tonight. But, like, I am one of the DFS players that takes a stand that unless it's a – situation like against the dolphins i really don't want to be playing adrian peterson in my lineup do you find yourself with any exposure tonight
0: yeah i think if i was building a single lineup he's definitely not the guy that i would look to you know across like 150 lineups and i know most people listening to this probably aren't going to play that many so um i would have peterson in some of my 150 but i think the guy at the running back position for washington i'm most interested in right now is wendell smallwood Uh, Peterson has the high ankle sprain. And so he's a game time decision. He says he's good to go, but it wouldn't shock me if they scale back his workload a little bit in favor of Smallwood. And then the other thing is if the Redskins do get behind, which they're expected to, they'll, they'll have to throw the ball more at some point, despite the fact that they want to be very run heavy, Smallwood should play that sort of Chris Thompson light role in the backfield. He's the better pass catcher between him and Peterson. And so Maybe you can get some cheap targets out of Smallwood, you know, four catches, four or five carries. And, you know, at $1,800, he's... I think like $3,000 cheaper than Peterson is tonight. So you get the salary relief as well to, to kind of spend up on your favorite Vikings.
1: All right, Colin, you've been awesome to chat with here today. Really appreciative of your time and uh, all of your information that you have shared with our listeners here on the big cheese show. I've got one more for you because football will end soon and we are going to have hockey and we are going to have NBA as the options for DFS. And I know that personally, I like the NHL much more but I really struggle with lineups uh, building there too. And I was always just curious, kind of, are you in favor when building an NHL lineup of, uh, we're talking about some stacking here. Do you stack in hockey or do you look for the best player at each position and best value so you can fill out your lineup?
0: Yeah, if if you were playing cash games, I would say go for the best position, the best value. Uh, In tournaments, I think, stacking is really important you know you get some of those lines where you get three forwards from the the same line and they're all on the top power play unit as well and so if they're going to score two or three goals in a game the other guys are going to pick up assists and especially if they're playing both on the same top line and the same power play unit I think you want to be stacking the forwards there so I, I would for sure say that I guess the other thing about hockey specifically is it's pretty high variance, kind of like in the same way that baseball is, you know, guys aren't going to hit home runs every single night, even the best goal scorers in the world aren't going to score goals every night. And so I think playing contrarian in sports like baseball or hockey and choosing players on teams that maybe are slight underdogs or flying under the radar can be a long term profitable strategy, because those guys will come in at like three or 4% ownership and you know, everybody's going to be playing McDavid or Ovechkin, but if you get those guys on a down night, that's kind of when you can climb to the top of the tournament leaderboards.
1: Colin, awesome stuff, man. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a good one, dude. Thank you so much, dude. I really appreciate uh, you coming on and uh, chat with me. I learned a lot, man, from you and, uh, and, and you were great. Thanks, bro.
0: Awesome. Sounds good.
1: Anytime. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us here today on The Big Chi Show. Please subscribe to The Big Chi Show on iTunes. It would make a bro's day. Music in this episode is Rev by Eveningland, available in the YouTube audio library. Dominate your showdown slates, and let's go Nats and get that World Series back here to D.C. We out. Thanks for listening.